sometimes you just need to touch grass, literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologists at Tailored Book Recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 142, and we are recording on November 11th. I'm Jen Northington, here with Sharifa Williams, and today we're talking about our holiday gifting picks. It's the holiday show. I know. I, uh, <laughs> I've been seeing the conversation going around about like basically how Mariah Carey is the one who gets to call time to play holiday music. <laughs> it's like this <laughs> random... I was like, why do I keep seeing Mariah Carey in like holiday gifts and stuff and that's funny i ignored it and i didn't have holiday music in my head until six minutes before recording and now i can't get it out of my head (laughs) like just all the holiday songs on loop oh no I I mean, the reason we do these holiday gifting shows in like mid-November is so that y'all have time mm-hmm. to order things and aren't like rushing around last minute. But it always does feel a little, I'm like, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. Like, I do know. I really, do we really have to like, Halloween just barely happened. Like give me, but you know, Christmas stuff goes up before Halloween at this point in yeah. my neighborhoods, especially. And I'm like, could we wait a minute? Just wait a minute. <laughs> They say no. Everybody's uh, yeah. remembering the supply chain issues of yes. your, right. and I'm sure that is affecting a lot of people. So hopefully everybody yeah. can get a jump start and not uh, hit up against any uh, stocking issues. I know, right? I have my I have my reminder to like actually make my holiday list this weekend. So wow, look we'll see if I actually we'll see if I do it. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see if I do it. But it's on my list. <laughs> That's all that matters. That's what counts. It's all that matters. Yeah. Um. So this show, we're not going to do news. We're just going to talk about books that are good for gifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a couple listener requests. We have our picks. Um. But I did want to drop a quick note that um something that I look out for. It's like I think this is year two. Um. Th- the Imagine Twenty Two Hundred. Uh, story collection is out. It's digital. It's from uh, Grist. They have this like solutions lab called Fix. I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's cool, interesting climate fiction. Um, the the theme is uh, imagine twenty two hundred or yeah, like the year twenty two hundred climate fiction for future ancestors. And uh, there are a bunch of stories in this collection, um, mostly by people who I don't know already. Ready, which is mm-hmm. always fun and but then rich larson who i swear is everywhere like everywhere i look i see a rich larson story so that's pretty cool and it's like a beautiful they have beautiful art it's a very inclusive list of writers and um it's an interesting it's one of those things where they're like 
doing storytelling, but sort of outside of publishing, which is always fun. So I'm going to leave a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. All I have to say about this is that it looks very, very good. And the feature illustration gave me lots of good feelings about the future, which is thing I love. (laughs) I know. It is a really gorgeous illustration. It's like very like warm tones and Mm. like there's plants on all of the buildings and it's kind of a futuristic outfit situation happening. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. All right. Well, let's hit a first sponsor break and then we will do our listener requests. Sometimes you just need to touch grass literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologist set tailored book recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Okay, and we are back. And I'm going to read the first listener question now. So this is from Morgan. Thank you, Morgan, for writing in with your request. So Morgan says, I heard you were looking for holiday recommendation requests. I would like to ask for read-alikes for books like Winter's Orbit by Everina Maxwell or A Taste of Golden Iron by Alexandra Rowland. I've been really enjoying the red, white, and royal blue uh, books, but make it fantasy sci-fi trend lately. So... I have not read Red, White, and Royal Blue, but I have seen it everywhere. I feel like I know all about it just because it was so popular. Um, And I have A Winter's Orbit on my bookshelf right now, so I know the deal. And so I'll just roll right in with my pick for this. And disclaimer, firstly, that I am only a couple chapters in, but it was so on the money with what you're looking for that I did not want to leave it out on principle. Um, And it has so many good reviews from people who have read it all the way through. So I feel pretty confident that this is going to be something you're going to enjoy or you're going to want to gift um, to somebody else. But self-gifting is also totally acceptable. Uh, Mm -hmm. So (laughs) this is A Marvelous Light by Freya Marsk. This is a pretty recent uh, read. It's a pretty recent title. I think the second book is actually out already, uh, but they came out in quick succession. So you can get both of them. But this is a series, and this is the debut of the series. It starts um, in Edwardian London. So think Downton Abbey. Lots of people compared – this book and the setting and the way the world building uh, is to a sort of Downton Abbey scenario. But it has a lot of the like great tropes that you find in fantasy, especially like some of the more lighthearted fantasy reads you would encounter. Like there's a magical house and there's a lot of descriptions of like people's outfits and 
the world building is that sort of it, it like it has a lot of the tropes that are sort of cozy and comforting and very Edwardian London. So you got that. And then where the red, white and royal blue thing comes in is that this is a there's a there's a gay romance here. We have our two main characters, Robin Blythe and Edward uh, Edwin, sorry, Corsi. And this is a pairing of a non-magical and a magical person. This is an enemies to lovers situation. And by the way, I have heard that by the middle of the book, it gets really steamy, like adult <laughs> level steamy. <laughs> so know that going in, uh, in case you thought maybe this is a YA book or something. It does not sound like that is the case at all. <laughs> but there's a steamy romance that happens. But the main po point of this book, it centers around this murder mystery that this duo who does not like each other, um, they are Robin and Edwin do not enjoy each other's company to start out. They're kind of thrown together into this situation, a very fraught situation where they have to solve this murder mystery together. And along the way, they uncover this secret plot that's happening in this magical world. So Robin is like a, a baronet of a seat and he is in a particularly... Um, unstable position in his life and then this administrative mistake ends up landing him into the company of this magical society so there's a secret magical society people the normal world of mortals non-magical people do not know that there is magic that's happening in edwardian london robin didn't realize that magic was happening under the surface until he got thrown into the situation and he's in this sort of administrative position which is hilarious to me for some reason <laughs> and then Edwin Corsi meets him as a result of this administrative mistake and there is a person in their office who was murdered because of this secret magical plot so it sounds like it's not quite an exact match with um, red, white, and royal. What is it called? I've already forgotten. Red, white, and royal blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tongue twister. Uh, but it has a lot of the same makings of that book. It has a lot of similarities and uh, themes that I think you'll love. And we have this... Uh, male romance that's happening and that's really steamy and seems to really please the readers so again that was a marvelous light by freya mars nice i have read uh red white and royal blue um and i am literally over here changing my answer in <laughs> i changed my mind about what i'm recommending i wanted to give you a more recent one but the book i picked i just the more i think about it the more i'm like no that's not the one so <laughs> i on the fly um am recommending chaos station by jen burke and kelly jensen not book riot kelly jensen a different oh kelly wow jensen. turns out there there are two i was the world. confused um, for a moment 
<laughs> yeah, because, you know, Sharifa took care of this the fantasy section and I wanted to give you boyfriends in space, which is like basically what you're asking for. Um, And, but like with politics, right? Like red, white, and blue is very much about the politics. And this one is a little bit less, a little bit less politicky than I um, wanted to go, but it is boyfriends in space and I really enjoyed it. And it's part of a series. Uh, So it's chaos station. As I said, it is two, soldiers who were in this giant war against, you know, the bad aliens, and they have been separated. Um, Felix is now the captain of a ship, like you do, retired soldiers <laughs> captaining ships, like that's a thing that happens. And then, you know, he's like given up on ever seeing Xander again. And then one day Xander shows up, and is like, you are not real. Like, you are a ghost. You're not real. He's like very, like, extreme PTSD situation. And he is uh, on this mission <clears throat> to locate one of their fellow soldiers. Um, and they, like, end up having to work together to find this soldier. There are, like, political reasons why this squad um, was, you know, dispersed. Uh, and, you know, also in the process, like, heal their relationship and trauma. And, like, it is way more angsty, I want to say, mm. than Red, White, and Royal Blue. But I really loved it. Um, and it is a little bit older. It's from, oh, no, 2015 is not that long ago. No. I read it a while ago, so I was like, oh. But I really, yeah, I, it, like, has, I think, the vibes that you're looking for. There are, like, discussions of politics in them. It's just that these two are, are more, like, victims of the political shenanigans than players in the political shenanigans. So that's sort of the differentiation here. Um, but again, boyfriends in space. Like, <laughs> I love that. It's good. Gotta love it. Uh, So, again, that is Chaos Station, which is the first book in the Chaos Station series by Jen Burke and not Book Riot, Kelly Jensen. (laughs) Okay. So, and right, content warning for, you know, PTSD and trauma, all that, all that jazz. Uh, All right. So our next question is from Emma, who is looking for SFF gifting advice for my dad. He used to be a big fantasy reader when he was younger. Some of his favorite authors were Ursula Le Guin and Terry Pratchett, but he doesn't read as much now. The last sci-fi and fantasy he read and loved was the Murderbot series. Do you have any SFF recommendations that are fast paced on the shorter side and possibly reminiscent of classic fantasy? Uh, Yeah, we absolutely can do that. I'm just going to keep talking. Um, I thought of the Tensorit Saga series. Unclear to me what the correct word is here for this. Um, But, oh, it's a series. Never mind. (laughs) It's, there are four? books in it at the moment uh it's by neon yang and these are also put out by tour publishers of murderbot um it is a novella series and it i think it's i was thinking about like you know terry pratchett and ursula Le Guin. like what are the sort of threads there and i feel like what i love about the tensorate series in this regard is that it's really interesting world building there is like 
I mean, Terry Pratchett is so wacky, right? Yeah. And like Murderbot is very funny. This series is not that funny, but it does have a dry sense of humor and wit to it that I think is a little bit more along the Le Guin lines. And like Le Guin, um, Yang is tackling like all of these really interesting, juicy, personal things and political things through the context of speculative fiction. There's also, it's interesting because there's sort of like a mashup of science and fantasy going on in here. So it's got a lot of different things going for it. The characters are really interesting. I do think you want to read them in order, but each book is sort of a separate uh, story line and it's very like very cool world building like just the way that magic works in here is fascinating I really love the characters um, it is just you know it's so good the covers are beautiful so this is also like a beautiful yes. set to gift physically um, it's like you're just gonna look at them and be like oh my gosh these books are gorgeous so it's nice for gifting in that regard and yeah, I think I think uh, I think he might dig it. I will give content warnings for harm to children, including medical experimentation and death. Um, but as long as that's not a deal breaker for you, like this series is great and I think will appeal to older readers as well as newer readers. So again, that's the Tensorit series by Neon Yang. The first book in it is The Black Tides of Heaven. And now there's an omnibus out for it. Uh, I nice. have that. Love yeah. an omnibus. Oh, yeah. do you? Yeah, I got it in the mail and I was like, oh my goodness, this is so amazing because I did not have them all. So now I just get to read them all in one go. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. I'm jealous. Yes. Is it pretty? I bet it's really pretty. It's beautiful. It actually has, I believe it has one of the original covers, but yes, it's beautiful. It's so nice. Um, And I forgot, I missed content warnings for A Marvelous Light, so I just wanted to say that too. There's abuse. There's um, some uh, minor homophobia. There is also self-harm in that book. Um, So my pick, I'm glad that you leaned more toward a Le Guin because I definitely leaned more toward a Pratchett (laughs) pick. Nice. I went with Wacky today. And I seem to be on the uh, Magical Societies train by accident today as well because I chose Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, which is definitely more of a backlist read, but I just love to recommend this book to anybody who does like some whimsy and some wackiness and also enjoys something that feels very fast-paced. And I also thought that it kind of fit the bill for more of a like classic fantasy read just because of the setting but this has the benefit of also centering some characters of color two characters I love um Zacharias White and Prunella Gentlewoman such great character building here um and this does take place in you know an antiquated time it is it centers the Royal Society of Unnatural Philosophers. So this is a magical society that exists within his Majesty's land. So we're still in a very like England setting um, of the olden times and Zacharias and Prunella end up kind of thrown together into the situation. This is a world where, you know, black and brown people are not quite welcome in this magical society. And Zacharias is in this position where 
He is in a leadership position in this society and people are not happy about it. And then he meets Prunella. And not only is this um, an era where there is racism and xenophobia, there is also a lot of misogyny happening. So Prunella is a woman who is gifted in the magical arts, but as a woman, she is not allowed to have the sort of power that men have in these societies and as a magical person. And Prunella is not having it. Like she is going to do what she wants to do. She knows that she is a powerful person and that she is capable of many things. And Zacharias is over here trying to like keep things under control and to try to lead by example. But you know, they are two very different people. And I just wanted to recommend this because I I flew through this book and it's a book I think about a lot still. And because I am such a big Terry Pratchett fan, like I am forever on a quest to find things, to find books that give me the same feelings I get from reading a Terry Pratchett. And this has a lot of the whimsy, like obviously it confronts some pretty serious issues, like there is racism and there is misogyny. Um, Those are embedded into the story. But Prunella, her her antics are just like so (laughs) wild. (laughs) And she gets into all sorts of scrapes and messes. But it it still has some of like the classic fantasy feel of like, you know, it has the elements um, you might expect from a classic fantasy book like a T.H. White or something, which is also full of whimsy. So I thought that this might be a good one, a fun one with a bit of a contemporary feel also mixed with some of the classical stuff. So again, that's Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho. Love it. Right. Well, should we do, let's do one pick each. Yeah. From our general. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'll kick it off with my first pick. So just to preface like, my general picks for holiday gifting decisions. I I tried to choose a mix of books that could potentially capture, I am never going to accomplish this perfectly, but tried to capture as many types of gifties as possible. Mm. And I did try to lean on some newer reads uh, because a lot of people just love to get shiny new things during the holidays. Um This episode also tends to be a sort of best books of the year for me. Yeah. Yeah. So the titles I chose were certainly some of my favorites. Um, And the first one I picked is Iron Widow. And this is by Siran J. Chow. And it's such a great read. I've recommended it a couple of times on this uh, show. And I chose this one mostly for the mythology and historic uh, history Historogy? What was I about to say? History buffs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But especially people who just love stories inspired by non-Western mythology and history. And I love this book so much. Um, I also think this is a good one for people who are fans of like mecha stories. The mecha concept in this story is really central and it's so imaginative 
there's a lot of big action and big stakes, and there's a character with a big personality um, in the form of Jitian, who has so much rage to burn. Uh, this is a very satisfying, ragey book. It's feminist sci-fi, and it's set in um, a time where women in particular in this world are not giving freedoms. They are uh, stripped of their autonomy. They're kind of seen as disposable assets, which Dutian is not having. And so this is what's really fueling her through the story. And these chrysalises, these uh, mechas, are piloted by men and women are the concubines in these scenarios. And by concubine, I mean they're in these mechas uh, with the pilots and their energy is being sapped to make the robots work, to battle against these alien forces that are attacking their world. So women are literally being used in these scenarios. And Jitian ends up offering herself up as a concubine pilot because she has some vengeance to enact on behalf of her sister. And there are all sorts of complications to this situation. She There's like a forbidden romance. There's also the pilot that she's been paired with who is sort of infamous and there's also just her herself. There is a, a lot of anger she has and she is ready to act on it. And it doesn't always act in her favor. So lots of high stakes. It's a really tense story, but it is so good and it is so imaginative. Um, I just feel like I have to recommend this one to everybody all the time. So that was Iron Widow by Siran J. Zhao. And um, there are some content warnings for this one. There's abuse, suicidal ideation, and mention of sexual assault. I also went uh, historical, but like literally historical ah. in this case with my first pick. It's Spear by Nicola Griffith, which is near and dear to my heart, both because it is a queer normative Arthurian retelling, which obviously I love, but also <laughs> It came about in kind of a fun way. We had queried Griffith for the anthology Swordstone Table, my co-editor, Swapna Krishnan, and I. Um, and she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll write a story. And then she emailed us back some months later and was like, so it's not a short story anymore. It's a normal <laughs> <laughs> So I can't give it to you. And we were like, uh. I'm sad that we can't have it. I'm really excited to read it. And it is amazing y'all it is so good it is a gender bent like Percival story and uh it takes place um in you know England in the time of Arthur which whatever time that was right um but our main character grows up like in a cave with her mother, like very sort of isolated existence, you know, friends with animals, like running through the forest kind of situation. And there's a reason that they're isolated that she doesn't really start to understand until she grows older. Um, but at a certain point, she like 
she decides she's going to go seek her fortune and go to the court of Artos, you know, at Carleon. And, you know, becomes a knight, steals the hearts of beautiful women. Like, you know, there's a Nimue situation that I just love. Um, it is so good. It's so good. It is so... The feelings, y'all, in this book. <laughs> um, I have a lot of them about these characters. I love the way that Griffith like brought this to life in a very different way than we're used to seeing. And I think it asks some really interesting questions about the sort of assumptions we have around the Arthurian legends. Oh, it's so good. So like if you are or you know somebody who loves history, historical fantasy, and like really loves deeply researched historical fantasy, this is 100% for you or them. Um, I will give a content warning for a mention of rape. Um, but yeah, this is just an amazing, an amazing, amazing novella and it's got a great cover, great to gift. All right, and so let's do another sponsor break, and then we will get into the rest of our picks. Okay, it's me again. <laughs> I will give you my next... It's true of what Sharifa said. I mean, it was very hard not to just, like, recommend the books I've already <sighs> talked about a bunch of times on this show. I tried to spread it around a little bit. Um, my first sci-fi pick for y'all is for people who love, like... Our world with a sci-fi twist uh, and family, like dysfunctional family stories, which I know I'm not the only person out here who loves. Uh, Light Years from Home by Mike Chen, which came out this year. It's so good. It's so, it's such a mind trip. It is about the Xiao family. There are three grown siblings, um, and when they were younger, like 15 years ago, uh, they were on a camping trip, and their brother and father disappeared. And their father turned up a few days later very confused, convinced he had been abducted by aliens. The brother, Jacob, has been missing ever since, and everybody has dealt with it in their own dysfunctional way <laughs> their mother is also so, uh, suffering from dementia so Cass who's the oldest um, has been sort of you know the caretaker is like managing everything very frustrated with uh, her present and her absent siblings Evie who's the youngest has like been obsessed with aliens since this happened is like you know involved in a, a like a group that like tracks paranormal occurrences and you know trying to like locate UFOs and stuff and then Jacob shows up and they don't know what to believe about what he's telling them and you start the book and you think you know what's going on and then every chapter after that you change your mind because you're changing perspectives and each person is very convinced that they are correct um it is so skillfully done it is such like a heartbreaker in terms mm. of the family feelings but it's a really fun and interesting science fiction plot so there's a lot of like balance going on here I think which was good because it does get a little heavy in moments but then there will be like something that will lighten it back up a little bit and again this is just like such a great such a great pick for people who are interested in like the paranormal and the possibility of you know alien interaction in our 
you know, dimension and timeline. Um, it's great for people who love family stories. Uh, it's great for people who are interested in like, you know, new and upcoming or like a newly established voices in sci-fi. Mike Chen has been out here like killing it, has more books if you like this one. So yeah, great for a lot of things. So again, that's Light Years From Home by Mike Chen. Family reads are great for the holidays. Family. Family. <laughs> I did yep. not realize my next pick is The Book Eaters by Sunny Dean. And I only just realized a moment ago that it actually takes place during the holidays. Even though it Oh, what? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> wait a second. Why does this feel? Because I was like, oh, you know, it's great because it's like very – there's lots of it's icy, it's cold, it's snowing in the book. And I was like, wait a second, there's a whole part of it that's about like there's a certain thing that happens on Christmas <laughs> and this book takes place all around Christmas. So that was a, a bonus part of this book. But this is really – I love the contrast of reading like a dark book while I am warm and cozy and safe. That is like mm. a very cathartic feeling for me. And it's a sort of a safe time to read some darker books. This one's definitely dark fantasy. Um, but this is also for, you know, the caregivers out there. This is another great uh, feminist read. It centers a mom. And there's also a queer romance the main character is uh, lesbian, and so there's some sapphic elements here. There's also an asexual character. And yeah, it centers a queer mom, Devin, who is a solo caregiver to her son. And Devin is facing these incredible odds to care for her son and ensure his survival because Devin and her son are not like your average Joe, uh, they are book eaters, and the book eaters live in secret. This is another book set in England. I apparently have been reading a lot of books set in England. Um, <laughs> that was by accident as well. But they live in secret. The book eaters actually live across the world, but we're we're mostly taking a look at the book eaters who are in England, and it's actually difficult for them to get around because they do not have like your usual documents to travel outside of their country and do things that people do. So Devin breaks free of the situation she's in, living in solitude on the uh, gloomy, foggy moors of England in secret. And she is now living amongst people non-book eaters and she's living with her son and trying to ensure his survival and there are all sorts of aspects of Devin's situation that I won't get into too much because things kind of unfold in this wonderful beautiful way and we meet Devin when she is a child and the story goes back and forth between present day and Devin's childhood growing up in the society of book eaters, learning that she can only eat certain types of books as a young woman and discovering what her responsibilities are as a book eater and specifically as a rare book eater woman. 
So there's a lot of horrors she ends up facing as an older woman when she comes of age. And the relationship she has with her son is part of why she ran away from the book eaters and entered the normal world. So it's really... It's really moody, really atmospheric. There's lots of action, though, as well. The book eaters are particularly strong. They have some superhuman aspects. And so it's not like, it's not a quiet read, I would say. There are quiet moments in the book. And Devin is a very, like, introspective person. But there's also lots of action. Um, And mostly it's a book. That's about standing up against people in power, making great sacrifices for your freedom and for the safety of your child. Um, It's a fantastic book. I loved every second of it, and it was a very satisfying read. And it does have content warnings for sexual assault, child abuse, and endangerment. But again, that was The Book Eaters by Sunny Dean. It's still on my list. One of these days I'm going to get to it. Everybody loves it so much. (laughs) It's really good. I can send you a copy. There you you go. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Okay. My next pick is for fans of Rebecca Roanhorse and N.K. Jemisin, also people who want to read more internationally. And the book is The Dawn Hounds by Sasha Stronach. This is the first book in a new series. And uh, Stronach is a Maori author um, from New Zealand. And this book is wild, y'all. I was skimming through reviews just to like refresh my memory. And somebody called it biopunk plus queer pirates. And I was like, that's not wrong. (laughs) Like, that's not wrong. (laughs) It is... It takes place in this world where there is magic, but there's also tech, and there's, like, a lot of, like, people's houses are mushrooms, and, like, it's, yeah, there's a lot of environment-y, like, plant-y, magic-y stuff in here, or, um, or, like, kind of, it's very, it's, like, uh, Tamsin Muir is another great comp for this author, like, it's very, like, mash up all of the things together and uh the gods are like meddling with humanity and fighting with each other which is always a fun time for everyone uh and our main (laughs) character yat is a cop who grew up like a street kid she lost her father at a young age um under very unfortunate circumstances and became a cop because she like a needed a job and b like really did feel like she could help the people who were like her um but she has had to really be in denial about the government of the city of Hanak which is where she lives and works and what they're doing and things come to a head and she can no longer be in denial uh, and gets involved in this whole very intense, very complicated, you know, massive epic adventure about like, like I said, gods, politics, government, corrupt governments, like what is going to happen? Oh my goodness. It is a wild ride. Big, big fan of this book right here. Um, 
I will say that it comes there's a lot of content warnings. I mean, I I comped it to Rebecca Roanhorse and N.K. Jemison, so like you know what's coming. Um, there are in particular institutionalized homophobia and transphobia. There is also some body horror. Y'all know that I have a very low tolerance for it, and I was able to get through it, so I think you'll be fine if you are also on the squeamish side. It was 100,000% worth it um, because, yes, there are queer pirates. There are, like, you know, secret conspiracies. There are, you know, the monkey god is, like, messing with people. The crane god is, like, trying to take over everything. I mean, there's just so much going on. I cannot wait for more books in this series. Um, I will say it ends on like a relatively satisfying note, which is nice for a first book in a series. Uh, and I, the next one is not announced, so I do not know how long. We are going to have to wait, but y'all should pick up this book immediately. Um, so yeah, this is for your friend who like really loves all of those genre mashups or really intense uh, science fiction and fantasy that dives into the world building. Not for the faint of heart, but absolutely an amazing ride. Again, that's The Dawn Hounds by Sasha Stronach. Awesome. Well, my next pick is This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub. And this is one I know I tend to get into like the deep, dark, gloomy books. This is definitely <laughs> one of my feel-good picks. It's more lighthearted. It's for people who are looking for something that's like, more contemporary and also rooted in our sort of lived experiences other than this one aspect of the book that makes it speculative. Um, and it's also for people who have like that 90s nostalgic feeling, people probably around my age. This is about a character who's about to turn 40, Alice. So Alice is about to turn 40 years old. Um, she's living a pretty like normal life. And she has a great relationship with her father, but content warning, this is about loss of a parent. And Alice is grieving the loss of her father as she knew him. And she knows that, you know, he's not long for the work for this world. And so this is the big challenge and sorrow of her life. She's also in sort of a unsatisfying relationship and is kind of feeling alone in the world. And so just before her 40th birthday, something strange happens. She finds herself back in time as a teenager and she is in her childhood home living with her dad who has raised her um, by himself. So this is set in New York. So there's also a lot of New York stuff in there. I didn't recognize a lot of the stuff, but there are a lot of elements where I was like, oh, as a tourist, I know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> but I think people who lived in New York, like, you know, will particularly appreciate this story as well because it's very New York centric. Um, and so she's back in 1996. It's her 16th birthday. So we're on the eve of, a big birthday as well here. And she's sort of like trying to see if she can change the way things go in her life by changing some of the big decisions she made at this age that she thinks sort of set her on this path. So it's like a very familiar trope of like, 
Well, if you have the opportunity to go into your past and change things, would you do it? And how would you change things? And there are lots of opportunities for Alice to figure that out. And all of it is driven by her love for her dad and the relationship she had with her dad. So it's very, it's another like in your feels book, especially if you're like, this is a great one if you want to like, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it would be too bittersweet to gift to your father or like a parent, but I don't know. I think that it's, it's a very tender story. Like I would feel good about gifting this to one of my parents as a sort of like, you know, it's representative of how much you mean to me and how much I care and you know, I'm thinking about you, that sort of thing. So it's very, very good. And I got a little bit, you know, choked up by the end of it. But it's really, I I will 100% with confidence say that this is a feel-good book. So again, this is, that was This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub. Another one on my list. Yeah. Um, in yet another one of our unintentional, you know, sync ups, <laughs> my next pick is also a feel good pick. Ah. It's the only one I have. Um, and that's fine. That's fine. It is The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches by Sangu Mandana, which I know we talked about yes. on our most anticipated, I want to say. Yes. And. Let me tell you, this book is a freaking delight. It is so sweet. It's found family. It's contemporary witchy magic. It's finding your people and your place in the world. We've got a grumpy sunshine romance going on. Ah. I mean, I just cannot tell you how much there's a golden retriever in it like I just (laughs) loved 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 this book so much the main character Mika Moon is I want to say like 20s late 20s maybe uh and she is a witch in Britain lots of England this year apparently um in contemporary like contemporary Britain and she is uh she was adopted um she is not white and her adopted mother was and she has like you know struggled with being a witch with being adopted with feeling isolated because you know if you're a witch in like the modern world people can't know and also witches are supposed to stay away from each other they only meet up very rarely um because if too many of them get together like magical energy starts to collect and like that's not a good way to stay secret basically Mm -hmm. and so she but like in order to she loves magic she loves doing it um and she's a really great relationship with it and in order to like make herself feel a little better about all of this she pretends to be a witch on the internet like she's a real fake witch on the internet (laughs) Which is a delightfully meta concept. And then one day she gets this DM from somebody who's like, hi, I am the caretaker for a bunch of young witches and I want you to come teach them. And she's like, A, this is probably spam. B, like, I'm not, I'm a fake witch. Like, this person must know, like, ha- can't think I'm a real witch because then my, my, I've like ruined everything. Um, but one thing leads to another. She goes out, she meets these three young girls who are also, uh, orphans who really do not have 
anybody in their lives who can teach them how to control their magic. And she's like, well, I guess I have to do this. I am now a teacher. Here we go. And the like motley crew that are the caretakers for these kids, there's like a lovely gay couple who are older. One of them's the gardener. One of them is, I can't remember his role. Um, He's very flamboyant and like dramatic and the gardener is like very (laughs) quiet and sweet. Um, There's like a grumpy cook and there's a very grumpy librarian. (laughs) Uh, Very handsome, very handsome, very grumpy. You can see where this is going. Mm. And it is all about like, yeah, how do you find your people? How do you find your place? How do you control the things that like are talents for you but could cause trouble? Like how do you figure out who you are? It's oh, it's so heartwarming. It's so lovely. I like I'm going to reread this book a bajillion times in my life. Like it's this is one of my new chicken soup books. Um, so give this to somebody who needs a pick me up, who loves a romance, who loves a modern witch story, who loves a found family story. It's just so good. Uh, so again, that's The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches by Sangu Bandana. I'm actually specifically saving that for my travel plans next week over oh, Thanksgiving nice. so that I can just like on the plane have something to sink into and feel good about. So I'm glad it was yeah. actually. Oh, good. I forgot. I th- there is like a mild content warning for child neglect. It's not like major. It's more mentioned, but you know. Okay. So just FYI. Totally. Yeah. Well, my next pick is a big, sprawling, epic story. It's The Ballad of Perilous Graves. This is by Alex Jennings. Um, I would say this is for the music lovers out there, 100%. Absolutely for anybody who loves music, especially for people who love jazz and blues and the music of New Orleans. And this is set in New Orleans. It's like... A rollicking, big, uh, I think it's a pretty long read, too, It's because it has a couple of parts. Um, And I will say also that it it can be disorienting. This is a dizzying story, but I loved it. I was just, like, willing to be there for the ride and see where the book uh, took me. And it's also a great sibling gift. It centers a sister and a brother. They're both children in this story, but they are doing things that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily want to see children doing, going on this epic quest, uh, fighting these really serious, terrifying villains. But Perry and Brendy are like no children, I know, I will say. Uh, They are also accompanied by their friend Peaches, who is basically inspired by Pippi Longstockings. Like if you read, (laughs) if you read the story and like over time as I was like reading about Peaches, I was like, wait a second, I recognize this character. It's Pippi. Um, (laughs) So there's that. It's super interesting. It's very experimental in its own way that I cannot quite put my finger on. The way the story is told and the shifting POV is like sort of nothing I've read before. Um, There are lots of characters in the story. Of course, there's Perry. Perry of Perilous Graves. That's his uh, nickname. And there's Brendy and Peaches. Um, There's also a trans character in this story who's also a central character with a backstory. 
And this is definitely a meaty story. So prepare to sit down with it or take your time with it if you want to. The audiobook is fantastic. That's what I, um, that's where I went to, to to read this book. It's it's set in a fantastical version of New Orleans where music is magical, um, and you know the graffiti moves and walks and has a life of its own. And there are flying trams, so very imaginative. It has a lot of familiar elements of New Orleans, and I saw some reviews from people actually from that city who were like, "This was really like this captured." New Orleans, even though it's obviously like uh, New Orleans that is not tied to the reality as we know it. But uh, Perry and Brendy have to go on this epic quest and find their power. They both have it in them to be able to save their city, save the people they love, their family, and also figure out what's going on. Um, in New Orleans, what this great evil is that is casting a shadow over their city. And music is very central to this story. And there are jazz musicians and musicians in general who are legendary, who just sort of show up like ghosts out of the blue. And everybody just stops what they're doing to go dance in the street. So it has this like very celebratory vibe um, and it's just a fantastic, epic tale. So again, that was The Ballad of Perilous Graves by Alex Jennings. This one does have a content warning for child endangerment. Uh, Perry and Brendy, uh, again, are put into situations that you would not often see, uh, an eight-year-old, I believe. They're like very, very <laughs> little children. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But it's a a book for adults. Like that is the thing. It's it's yeah. so interesting. Um, such a great read. Nice, nice. All right, my next pick is for my anthology fans, my fellow short story lovers, also for folks who want to read more internationally. It is both science fiction and fantasy, because short stories. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's The Way Spring Arrives and Other Stories, edited by Yu Chen and Regina Kanyu Wang. Um, this collection is so interesting. It's got a very long subtitle. The subtitle is A Collection of Chinese Science Fiction and fantasy in translation from a visionary team of female and non-binary creators. This collection has stories. It also has some essays about, you know, the culture around science fiction and fantasy in China. Um, it's got essays about translation uh, and what it means to translate a speculative story from Chinese into English and all the choices you have to make as a translator and try to capture the nuances. And can you even do that? Uh, so it's really interesting. It's doing a lot of different things. And I find myself thinking a lot about this collection. And I, you know, some of the stories, I mean, you're always going to have favorites, right? <laughs> There's always going to be favorite stories. But I don't feel like there was a story that there wasn't some piece 
of it that I loved in this collection, which is, you know, a gift in an anthology. Um, and there were so many different tones. I mean, we have like, you know, sort of uh, like Douglas Adamsy and Terry Pratchett sci-fi. We have very like fable sort of feeling fantasy. There's contemporary stories. There's really dark stories. Um, there's just all kinds of things going on in here. And it's, yeah, it's fascinating. And you're not going to know most of these contributors for, you know, so many reasons. Um, and we'll say R.F. Quang was involved, which is awesome love 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 uh and yeah it's i don't know it's just really really cool like i don't know how to summarize it because each story is so distinct um and has such a different focus so it's really broad ranging um but you are getting this fascinating cross section of chinese science fiction and fantasy and speculative works and then some like essays about it i i like i will say there are opinions in some of those essays that were not my own like I did not necessarily agree with some of the opinions but that's fine like that I don't have to <laughs> it's it's interesting food for thought um and so like the role of gender in, in you know Chinese speculative fiction and publishing landscape like that's a really interesting thing to read about um regardless of how you feel about how they treat gender in that so there's a lot of good stuff in here I will say like a lot of these stories do go to difficult or dark places. I don't have a comprehensive list of content warnings for you, but you know, do a little research. Um, be thoughtful for yourself and and for anybody you gift this to. But again, like if you know somebody who loves short stories, who loves to discover new authors, who loves like weird and strange and different and um, is trying to read more internationally, this is a fantastic gift. It is again a beautiful cover. Uh, and that is The Way Spring Arrives and Other Stories, edited by Yu Chen and Regina Kanyu Wang. Well, my next pick is also for the short story lovers out there. So I'm glad we are on the <laughs> same wavelength there as well. This one's not an anthology, though. It's a collection. So it's all by one author. It's How High We Go in the Dark by Sequoia Nagamatsu. And this is, I'm heading back into like darker territory, but I will say that this collection has like a mix of stories so there is some hopeful stuff in here there's some sad stuff there are stories about families and stories about you know relationships and all sorts of relationships too and there are stories about like the afterlife and being in space so I mean it goes all over the place but all of the stories take place in the same reality. And in this reality, there was the discovery of this Arctic plague. So yes, this is a global pandemic story. There is an Arctic plague that affected the whole world. And now we are reading about the aftermath, how civilization adapts or does not adapt to this plague. Um, and the collection starts out with the origin of the plague with a father going to see the place where his daughter worked, which is strangely in the Arctic. And she was a researcher and she died tragically. And so this father goes to see what she was working on and basically like try to find some closure 
Uh, he's also re- a researcher, so it's not like he's some random tourist walking in on this research facility. There is a, a sense that he belongs, but he's really just trying to figure out what happened with his daughter and to understand um, the choices that she made, basically choosing to do this research instead of being with her family and very young daughter. But there, you learn that there were some real reasons and that, you know, she did have her family in mind when she went off to the Arctic to research this phenomenon. So there's lots of fallout from this plague and we meet a lot of people. There are content warnings for, you know, chronic illness and there is death. Of course, a lot of the story is about death because people are still struggling uh, with this illness. There's research that's happening. There are some really unusual tales um, in this. There's like a talking pig in one of these stories. So just to give you an idea of how many places it goes. But um, I think that what I took out of this collection more than anything is is the ways that we go on, like the way we continue to live our lives and to try to make connections with the people around us and the ways we try to survive even when it seems like there is no way out, that there is no solution. And I I think that that's why I think of this collection as a hopeful one because, you know, as humanity, there always possibilities and opportunities for us to come together and make it work and to make our lives better and to continue to thrive in our own ways. So I really loved this collection. I think about the stories a lot. Um, And this is great because, you know, there is something for everybody in these stories. There are... um, You know, they're like with other short story collections, stories that spoke to me more than others, but I definitely felt like as a whole, this was a really, really strong collection. So again, that was How High We Go in the Dark by Sequoia Nagamatsu. Uh, One of the other content warnings for this one is Child Death. All right. My last pick for you which was a struggle to narrow it down, mm. even to the extent that we have. I know this is like a longer episode, but there are so many good books, y'all. Uh, my last pick is Speculative. It is for those who love, you know, our world slightly askew stories. Um, this is for the Dark Academia fans out there. You know who you are. This is for <laughs> map nerds. There's so much good stuff going on in here. Uh, it is The Cartographers by Pung Shepard. I'm a huge fan of Shepard's work. I remember reading the book of M and being just like, I can't believe this is a debut. So I'm so glad that we've got new works from her. And this one is really interesting. The main character is the daughter of like a legendary librarian and cartographer cartographer um and Nell has like basically dedicated her whole life to like gaining his approval um and following in his footsteps and you know she like you know got the degree did the studies like really was excelling 
and was actually working at the NYPL. This is a New York story um, with him when they got into this huge fight over something that Nell still really doesn't understand. It's like this like random map that she finds that she thinks is interesting. And like it turns into this whole situation where he publicly fires her and like shuns her, refuses to speak to her ever again. So she's got this now like and nobody will hire her because he's such a big deal in the field. And so she's working this like sort of dead end job. Um, the only person, you know, who would hire her, uh, who's lovely, but like this is not what she wants to be doing with her life. Um, and then she gets a call one day and her father has been found dead in his office at the NYPL. And so she has to go down there. And, you know, they it it becomes clear over the course of the story that like This was not of natural causes. Something strange has gone on. But it's literally like a locked room murder situation. Um, And nothing makes sense. And this old highway map that they fought over all those years ago has resurfaced. And so she gets sucked into this like secret society like is the map magic what is going on here you know whole like history of her parents um she lost her mother very young and that comes back into play it is just such a journey that's <laughs> what I'm gonna say she also ends up reconnecting with an old boyfriend and like there's a little bit of second chance romance plot line in there but it is such a dive it is so compelling and compulsive like I was just like turning the pa- I think I read this book in like a day I mean I just could not put it down the vibes are so strong y'all <laughs> the the strongest of vibes and Nell is a really great character she's kind of prickly like for good reasons um very persistent very stubborn and really like you get to see what it's like to be a cartography nerd which is not something that I knew about so right cool. and like cartography is that like still a thing <laughs> like <laughs> Hasn't we have Google Maps? Like, what is mapping anymore? <laughs> Turns out there's a whole it's a whole thing, and now I know some more about that. Um, but it's really fun. Uh, complicated ca- family feels for sure um, in this one. Uh, but yeah, it's I just loved this book so much. I think it's it's fantastic, and it would be a great gift for all of the reasons that I've mentioned. So again, that is the Cartographers by Pung Shepherd. Magic and maps, I love it. Right? Good combo. (laughs) Well, my last pick is the Practical Magic series by Alice Hoffman. And once I even thought to possibly include this, I was like, yes, of course, I have to. (laughs) Because it's supposedly completed now. Um, We've Mm. gotten, we, Alice Hoffman gave us a lot of great practical magic series books and now it's over and it makes me sad but I actually (laughs) I know it had to end sometime I don't know but yeah but I just read the last book this year um even though I think it was published last year or the year before so this is a little bit more of a backlisty recommendations especially when you consider how long ago practical magic the first book in the series, the first book published in the series, uh, was published. Um, and of course, I have to recommend a witchy book for the holidays. Who would I be if I did not do that? <laughs> so yeah, um, I actually wrote in a note that it published last fall. So I did know the date, the last book published. And the nice thing about the Practical Magic series for any of your 
gifties who love witchy books is that they can really be read out of order. Alice Hoffman herself says so. So I believe her. And I also read them (laughs) out of order. So if you want to read them in the order they were written, it's Practical Magic, The Rules of Magic, Magic Lessons, and The Book of Magic. But chronological order is Magic Lessons, The Rules of Magic, Practical Magic, and The Book of Magic. So The Book of Magic is the last one published and the last one in the series. And it's so good. So we're following the Owens family um, and particular the Owens sisters. And Jet and Franny are the oldest generation of the sisters. And then you've got Sally and Jillian, they of Practical Magic fame. Um, I watch the movie adaptation of Practical Magic just about every year. It's a comfort watch <laughs> for me. It doesn't matter if it's Halloween. It doesn't have to be. But that ten- I tend to read it in the fall. But this is also just a great like when the weather is a little bit cold and chilly and you've got gray skies. I love picking up these books. And in the final book, you have a new generation of Owen sisters. So that's also fantastic. So in this series, the Owenses, the Owens sisters in particular, have this curse, this curse that makes it really difficult to fall in love and to make a life for themselves with the person they love. And that's the through line of this whole series where you go way back in time to the source of the curse, Maria Owens, and then you go all the way to the end where Sally and Jillian, who are the nieces of uh, Jet and Franny, are still sort of struggling with this curse. And that's a big part of this book is like kind of trying to find a way to either break the curse or to try to break away from who you are so that you can distance yourself enough from the curse. There's all sorts of uh, troubles that afflict the sisters. And there it's just a great read for anybody who loves to read the sort of generational sagas because we also get to learn about Jet and Franny's upbringing and what they went through as a result of this curse. And I just love it. It's always like exactly what I'm looking for when I'm looking for a witchy book. Um, It's comforting in an interesting way. It has a cozy feeling. Um, It's romantic. It's just a lovely read. And I think that if you love the Practical Magic, the first book, Practical Magic, um, I'm pretty sure you will love all the rest of the books. So again, that's the Practical Magic series by Alice Hoffman. And that concludes our mega <laughs> holiday gifting episode. <laughs> so many books. <laughs> wow. So many. We hope... I know. We hope that you'll find them useful. We covered a lot of ground here, so lots of options for y'all. And so thank you to you. Thank you also to our sound editor, our long-suffering sound editor, Caitlin (laughs) Brame, (laughs) who helps us sound great each and every episode. Um, If you would like even more recommendations for the holidays or in general, you can get those at bookriot.com. You can find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Thank you all so much for listening. You can email us 
at sff yeah at bookriot.com you can email us show theme ideas you can email us questions you can email us your pet pictures whatever uh if you would like to review us you can do that too apple Podcasts, spotify podchaser wherever helps other folks to find the show and speaking of finding us, uh, Sharifa, where can the people find you? They can find me on Instagram. I'm at Williams. That's S-Z-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.